0: listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Proof Text. I'm Michael Halcom, and this is a Fallacy of the Week episode. Now, this one's going to be a little bit different um, than the usual but uh it's still going to be good. I hope it's going to be good. Usually we look at a meme or uh, some kind of social media post or something like that. And I could have found uh some stuff like that floating around, but I didn't want to waste my time. Um you'll kind of get where I'm coming from, especially in the wake of COVID. Um so the reason I'm kind of changing it up a little bit for this episode is because this is kind of a special episode. This is episode 600 In 66 or 666 and that's what we're going to focus on in this episode is 666 now if you're familiar with scripture at all you know that this is found in revelation in particular it's found in revelation 13 and it's the last verse in revelation chapter 13 so what we're talking about essentially is i think revelation 13 18 uh so we'll go look at that here in a second. Yeah, Revelation 13, 18. If you're watching, I'm going to put some text up on the screen. If you're just listening, that's fine too. Uh, but if you're watching, you got a little bit of an advantage. So here we go. I have the NIV open. I'm actually just going to pull up the uh, SPLGNT here on stepbible.org so that we have the Greek text there for us as well. And... um yeah, the NIV translates it this way. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666 or 666. All right, so what we have to know when we're working with uh, Revelation 13, we really got to take this passage, this verse 13:18 in the context of Revelation 13 as a whole, but especially Revelation 13, 11 through 18. And um, we can just, we can read that here. It'll take a little bit of time, but um, it says, then I saw a second beast. So if you go back to the beginning of Revelation 13, uh, in Revelation 13, one, you have a dragon, and then you see the first beast. And then you see uh, in 13, 11, The second beast, I'll talk about the beasts and the dragon here in a minute, but it says in 11, 13, 11, then I saw a second beast coming out of the land or out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth of the land and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed it also forced all people great and small rich and poor free and slave to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark which is the name of the beast or the number of its name this calls for wisdom let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast for it's the number of a man that number is six hundred and sixty six Alright, so pretty interesting stuff here. Uh, John sees these two beasts. And and starting in verse 1, he sees a dragon. Verse 2, he sees a first beast. And verse 11, he sees the second beast. In the second beast, uh, unlike the first beast, it doesn't emerge from the sea, but this one emerges from the land. Now, earlier in the story of Revelation, the Lamb, which is representative of Christ, had two testifier elders. And what we need to know about Revelation is that whenever Christ does something or God does something and the Holy Spirit does something in Revelation, uh, Satan and his minions try to parody it and imitate it so as to uh, bring people, like lure people in. So previously in Revelation, the lamb had two testifier elders. And this beast here uh, is depicted with two horns. And the two horns may represent probably minimal power. Um, In contrast, we've read elsewhere in Revelation, we read about the altar repeatedly, and the altar has four horns, and horns are representative, typically, of power. But more likely, I think, the two horns represent the two beasts as Satan's testifiers, because the horns on the altar actually um, sort of speak and so we have uh, their they're testifiers. And so here the two beasts are sort of Satan's testifiers. Um, and I think they're ultimately representative. The first beast is representative of the Emperor Nero. And the second beast is representative of the Emperor Domitian. Now, people are going to disagree with me on this. Um, but the second beast acts, like the first half, on behalf of the dragon. The dragon is, of course, Satan so the second beast speaks as Satan's agent, Satan's minion. And so the second beast also acts on behalf, as the text says, of the first beast. So that's kind of interesting. Um, And what it's doing, the second beast, is sort of channeling the first beast's authority. More on that in a minute. So Satan is the source of these two beasts' corrupt authority. And the end goal of this beast is to deceive those dwelling in the land as the text says via signs and these signs are parodies of god's signs so this beast is going to call fire from the sky and create a statue or image of the first beast and then breathe into it so it can speak now both of these pseudo signs is what i would call them they were practiced by what we call the imperial cult which led people in worship of the emperor emperors so this beast places a mark on the right hand so the right hand right was often stained by the blood of a sacrifice um and so it's representative of a deed and also the mark on the foreheads of the worshipers which signifies that their heart, mind their heart the heart and the mind are one and the same right um so that their heart, mind, and their actions, the right hand, have all been transformed by devotion to the beast. It's all going to hopefully make more sense in a minute. So um, these people who have this mark, they come from all walks of life, small and great, rich and poor, freed and slaves, the text says. And uh, they'll not be able to engage in the corrupt imperial economy, which is viewed as spiritually bankrupt, without this mark. The mark is then we're told what it is. It's identified by the name of the beast, or both beasts, um, and the number of the name, which is 666. It says that number is the number of a person's name, or the number of a person. And so, a mind of wisdom, um, not deceived by the beast, the text says, can count or calculate its number. So someone doesn't, uh, have, who isn't deceived can figure this out, like a believer can figure this out. And so what's going on here overall is that these verses, rhetorically speaking, are exhibiting a type of rhetoric of exposure. And while it's true that the exposure may be veiled behind numbers, given the vast number of people devoted to the beasts, it seems likely that the riddle would not have been too difficult to solve in the ancient world. So, John is appealing to those in his immediate context, those with minds of wisdom, to understand that 666 refers to the emperors Nero and Domitian, or the beasts Nero and Domitian. And so, Domitian is the emperor who came sometime after Nero, and in whom Nero's legacy really lived on. And so, all who bow to these corrupt leaders and their associates engage in the imperial cult and profess their allegiance to the corrupt government of Rome. And when they do that, they'll have death as their ultimate end. But Jesus offers a different ultimate end, life. Now, let's focus on this term beast for a minute. In Greek, it's the word theerion. And it appears more than 30 times in uh, Revelation, with the majority of occurrences in Revelation 13 through 17. So those four chapters. But the term theerion in Greek When it's transliterated, letter for letter, back into Hebrew, you get terreon. terreon. And so that word, terreon, when the Greek is transliterated back into Hebrew, is the numerical equivalent uh, in gematria, where each Hebrew letter equals a number. Tereon in Hebrew equals 666. So that word... Beast in Greek transliterated into Hebrew equals 666. Now, this practice of assigning letters and words numerical equivalents, as I said, in Hebrew is called gematria. In Greek, it's called isopsephi. Now, doing the same thing with Nero Caesar, or in Greek, Neron Kaisar, which a lot of ancient coins had on them, that was an incredibly common thing. If you transliterate that, Greek into Hebrew, you get Neron Kasar. And that totals, wait for it, 666, 666. And so there are actually a lot of uh veiled inner textual connections to Nero throughout Revelation, but um one thing we do know for sure is that he minted many coins, and um one one of those coins, for example, reads Neron Klav. Now, that's actually, it's a bunch of abbreviations on a coin. I wish I had the coin here to show you. I, I'm on a different computer um, right now. I don't have the coins here, but you just gotta have to take my word for it. So, Neron Ger Geravto. It's a bunch of abbreviations. And it, it's short for Nero Claudius Caesar Augustus Germanicus Emperor. Another uh, further abbreviation on a different coin is Nasev Gamma Av, Nero Augustus Germanicus Emperor. Um, These are these uh, numismatic epithets for Nero, and both of those titles, 666. So you have various coins, not just one coin, but multiple coins floating around, and where those um, epithets total 666. Likewise, the Emperor Domitian, who also minted coins in his name, has one that, when spelled out completely, reads Caesar Theos Domitianos Sevastos Germanicos." It means Emperor Caesar, Son of God, Domitian Augustus Germanicus. It shows divinity and royalty. And one abbreviation of that is "A ke Domit Sev Gamma." Right, and that's on a coin that totals 666. Some coins actually had an epsilon, um, uh, which also totals 666. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting. We may also have a, a, a connection back in Genesis four fifteen to Cain's Mark, but really what's going on here is we have references to nero and domitian and as we know nero it was a really bad man one scholar named schultz um says that domitian was depicted in some ancient literature as being even worse and so after nero's death in 68 ce or ad however you say that and prior to Domitian taking the throne after his father vespasian there were rumors actually floating around in the ancient world about a return or a resurrection of Nero. And this led to what's known historically as the Nero Redivivus myth. Um, That is the the Nero resurrected myth. And knowing this, many pretenders, they they knew this was floating around, they tried to fill that role, but they were never successful. Post-Nero emperors such as Otho, were, they even went by the name Nero Otho. Domitian was similar and was keen on taking Nero's statues and recarving the facial portions to resemble his own while also leaving traces of Nero. Another scholar named Prusak says images of the emperors were invested with an aura of semi divinity and regarded with awe, and their images were loaded with symbolic attributes. It allowed Uh, end quote, it allowed a later emperor to identify themselves with a predecessor and make the point that they were now the one in charge. So statues and portraits were really significant. And um, again, Prusak says, the emperor's presence was required in all important community centers, such as a courtroom. The emperor couldn't possibly be present at all times, but his image could be a constant presence in such venues, end quote. So the statue that's referenced in these verses that we just read may refer to a Nero statue given new life by Domitians. Breathe new life into it, Domitian has. The imperial cult also had a practice of making it appear that statues could talk. They could move the the jawbone up and down on some of these statues. So these two, you know, these, not two, but these sets of verses right here um are of considerable importance, and we need to understand the identities of these two beasts' that's critical to making sense of revelation thirteen, a lot of other revelation, but especially revelation thirteen eighteen, and this whole idea of six 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 so um we we need to understand the imperial cult, its magical practice, such as making statues move their mouths and appears though they're talking, somebody standing behind them and and talking but making it look like the statues are talking the significance of the number six 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 simply cannot be underestimated i mean just through covid we saw people talking about this and uh you know everybody all prominent figures throughout history have had six 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 attached to them um constantine and shakespeare and uh barack obama and donald trump and so on and so forth even the mask right um that we were during COVID, so it's just stupid stuff the pope is another candidate that people put up there but we got to know what it means and so the number literally is a reference to the two beasts the two emperors nero and domitian had coins floating around the total 666 so um i think this this uh, here is my aim is just to bring a good uh healthy dose of clarity to this issue, and uh, you're thinking also about the connections between the marked right hand, the and idolatrous, idolatrous, and blasphemous sacrifice, or the two testifier elders, and contrasting those with the two beasts, the heart, mind being transformed by God versus being deceived by Satan. There's so much parody going on in Revelation. It's amazing. Um, believers get a seal, which solidi- sealed by the Holy Spirit solidifies the covenant. That's their mark uh, versus the, the beast's mark, right? Uh, so these are all things we need to understand, potent talking points when we're going through these verses. There's a lot to say, um, but I, I will just say, even early on in Revelation, what we find is that Satan often uses people and institutions, societies, and cultures that are open to him to try to deceive Christ's bride and lure her away revelation 13 reveals that satan may also try to use governments and of the the various pressures that satan might put on this is one of the most difficult to discern and resist because for many allegiance to country runs deep and as a result um You can have a sort of unchecked patriotism that can easily morph into rank nationalism, and that in turn can be used to create strife and division. It can exalt leaders and lands before the Lord. When allegiance to a government is put front and center in the life of a believer, something has gone terribly wrong. Yet those who have allowed God to transform them and give them a mind of wisdom, as the text says, they'll see Satan's attempts for what they truly are, and as a result, they'll neither be caught off guard nor fall prey. Instead, they'll resist and overcome. And so God longed for humans to allow the spirit to transform their heart minds, so they might both resist the devil, his ways, his minions, and to thrive and flourish in Christ. Now, I haven't said anything really about fallacies. What I've done here is attempt to bring some uh, historical knowledge to undermine what we call the anachronism fallacy, the fallacy of anachronism. That's when you read sort of modern biases back into an earlier text or event. Um, And this happens all the time with scripture, but especially with revelation. So what we've done here is undermine or expose rather the fallacy of historical anachronism or the fallacy of anachronism there's other fallacies um that that i could undermine but i've been talking for a while and i'm going to stop there just I'll, I'll say this remember that uh what's important here is that 666 refers to the beasts and it, it is as the text tells us representative of their names and their names are representative of They're persons. And so we need not miss that in the text. And it's giving us two clear reference and we have coins to prove it. The word beast um, proves it. And so what more do we need? If we're trying to look outside of Nero and Domitian, we've gone off the rails. All right, so I'm gonna stop there and I'll say I hope that helps. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glosa House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glosa House offers a variety of resources for beginning intermediate and experienced ancient language learners. Head to Glosahouse.com today. Glosa House: Language Resources for the Global Community.